you may have noticed we're in the middle of a series called The Journey. And uh, yesterday morning, uh, Jan and I were just sitting there having some coffee, and I was checking the weather out and that kind of thing. And uh, I was thinking, you know, I want to do something fun today. And, and some of you may or may not know, but I used to be a missionary in the Bahamas. We lived in the Bahamas for a really long time. And I thought, you know, moving back to North Carolina, I'm going to need some things. Because, you know, it's, it's a little different here in North Carolina than it is in the Bahamas. And so one of the first things I bought, Jan, you remember, we were, we were at this, the Columbia outlet or whatever. And it, but anyway, I got, uh, I got a sock hat. Yeah. What do you guys call these? Beanies. What, what else? Boggin, a boggin, that kind of thing, you know, sock hat, whatever. Uh, I have not had the chance to wear this very often. I just got to be honest with you. I mean, I was thinking coming back to North Carolina, it was going to be really kind of, kind of cool, kind of cold. And so yesterday we were looking at the weather, and I thought, let's let's do something fun. Uh, I realized it was going to be snowing in Boone yesterday. Uh, down here it was what 60 degrees. Isn't that crazy? So we got in the car, we drove to Boone just to see snow because I have not seen snow in a long time. And so we drove up there and sure enough, as soon as we got to the top of the mountain, it was snowing. We had lunch at this place. It had delicious pizza. It was fantastic. And we got in the car and we drove back home. So it was a lot of fun. And I got to see snow for the first time in a really long time. And I got to wear my beanie. So I uh, just wanted, wanted to say that was kind of a fun adventure, kind of a fun journey of sorts. And uh, as you think about journeys in life, there's some questions that we brought up last week about the journey. And those questions are simply this. Uh, first, you got to figure out where are you? Like, where are you? And then as you go into the journey, um, you got to figure out hey, where do I want to go? And then the last step is simply this, how do we get there? Now, that's all, those are all great questions, aren't they? Those are really good questions when you think about a journey. Where am I now? Where am I going? How do I get from here to there? Those are great questions. And, and last week, we began diving into the life of Paul, the Apostle Paul. And as we were looking in the Apostle Paul's life, we realized that, that he is in a difficult place right now. We're actually sitting with him in a prison as he's writing this letter to the Philippians. And you know, the thing that we were amazed about last week was this, you know, life had not turned out the way that Paul thought it was going to turn out. Uh, but somehow, even though he had been through lots of frustrations and things had gone bad for him, he was somehow able to find a way to rejoice and to have joy, even though his life circumstances had led him in a different direction. Uh, and it's amazing to think about this. How in the world can Paul find joy and rejoice even though he's in a prison cell in Rome? I mean, think about the things that he's been through, the things that he has suffered. Paul had made plans. He had great plans. They were not selfish plans. They were not plans to, to, to make a million dollars for himself or to have this luxury yacht. He was, he was making these plans that he had to do good things. I mean, one of the things that Paul was trying to do was help people who were starving. He was going around to different churches and raising money so that he could help people who were suffering through a famine. One of the life missions that Paul had was to get out there and tell people about Jesus. Money so that he could help people who were suffering through a famine. One of the life missions that Paul had was to get out there and tell people about Jesus so that they could have hope, so that they could experience forgiveness, so they might have eternal life. That was his mission. But every place that Paul goes, and you can, you can follow this in the book of Acts, it tells a lot of his story. Every time Paul goes to a new place, he encounters opposition. And every time he goes to a new place, and every time you see he's got this plan, he's got this thing that he wants to do, what happens? He faces adversity. He faces difficulty. 
And so Paul's plans have been frustrated so many times. And right here we're seeing this. While Paul is in a a prison cell in Rome, uh, he had written a letter to the Romans years ago. He'd written a letter to the Christians that were in Rome. And he was telling them, I hope to come and see you. In fact, this is in Romans, uh, the book of Romans chapter 15. He says this, I have been longing for many years to visit you. So Paul had wanted and desired to go to Rome. Like he wanted to be there. But now that he is in Rome, he's in a prison. Can you imagine that? Like he had this, had this idea that I'm going to go to Rome. I'm going to meet these believers. I'm going to get a chance to spend time with them. Maybe I'll get to, you know, tour, tour around and see the Colosseum or something. I don't know what he wanted to do, but, but he had this idea he was going to go to Rome. And now that he is in Rome, where is he? He's in prison. So he got what he wanted, just not the way he wanted it. I wonder if this has ever happened to you. Maybe there's been a time in your life where you got what you wanted, but when you actually got it, it wasn't exactly what you thought it might be. I wonder if that's happened to you. Maybe some of you in life, you've gotten a job, And you thought, okay, this is the perfect job. This is the job I want. This is what I'm working towards. I want to get that promotion. I want to work for this company. I want to to do this thing. And then when I I finally get to this place and and I get that perfect job, you come to find out it's not everything that you thought it would be. Maybe you had some financial goal in life. Oh, man, we could pay off the house. Or what if, what if I can finally get to making that salary? Whatever that number was you set for yourself. Like whatever that number was, you, I got to hit that number. Or, or maybe it was in your investments. You, you said, I've got to get this much money and then I'm going to be all set for retirement. And, and then when you got to that point and you reached that pinnacle, was it everything that you had hoped for or did you still want more? Maybe you got to take that really special vacation. How many of you look forward to vacations? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sometimes that's what keeps you going, right? I mean, like, come on, you're, you're here, and you're like, oh, man, I cannot wait. I get to, get to go and do this thing, and, 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 and you put the plans in, and you make the investment, and you buy the tickets or, you, or whatever. And, and like, man, while you were there, it was so awesome. I mean, maybe you did forget about all the stress, and all the things you had been carrying back home. Maybe for a little while, was you, you actually felt yourself breathe. Maybe you felt your blood pressure drop just a little bit. But what happens at the end of vacations? We have to go back home, don't we? And when you got back home, some of those same stresses that you had left behind and you had forgotten about, you got there and man, they were right there waiting for you when you got back. Maybe for some of you, it was a relationship. Oh, man, you thought, man. <laughs> Remember before you got married, you just thought, oh, man, this is, this is going to fix everything. And then you get in that relationship with somebody, and you realize, wait a minute, this is work. <laughs> and, and it's not that it's bad. It's not bad. It's just that it's, it's like, wait a minute, I thought that this was going to make me complete. I, th- I had the Jerry Maguire syndrome. You know, if they made a Jerry Maguire part two, I got to be honest with you, that probably would be a very different story than Jerry Maguire part one. 
thought that relationship was going to fix it. Or maybe for you, it thought, oh, maybe when we have kids, maybe when we have kids, this, it's, it's going to be better. And, and somehow, you know, all these things are good things, right? You know, doing well on your job, vacations, relationships, they're all good things. But the problem is this, they're not end destinations. All of those things are good things, but they don't solve all of life's issues. No relationship is going to make you whole, not with another person. It's not going to complete you. No job is going to bring complete fulfillment for you. No destination can actually get you away from all of your struggles. I lived in the Bahamas a while, and I meet lots of people, and I tell them I lived in the Bahamas, and they're like, oh, man, that's got to be paradise. And you're right, the beaches are beautiful. But you know, it's like in, when we live here, we have this illusion that we're going to move away to some island and we're going to live on this beach and we're going we're to have this beautiful weather and that every problem will somehow disappear. Did anybody else bought into that illusion? Sometimes that's what gets you through, right? You keep thinking, oh man, one day I'm going to have that house. One day I'm going to have that thing. And one day I'm going to have that stuff. And I'm going to work really hard now so I can get to that place. But the problem is this. Everywhere you go, everything you do, every relationship you have, guess what? You are always there. You can change your situation. You can change your location. You could even change the people around you. But if in the end, you do not have joy inside of you, none of those other things are going to fix that for you. The journey is not about living in a different place. It's about becoming a different person. The journey is not only about who you will become, it's about expanding your capacity to love. The journey is, yeah, it's looking forward, but it's, but it's also about finding a reason for this moment, finding joy in this moment. The journey is, is about even finding ways to find joy while you're suffering, while you're going through it. Is there something I can still rejoice about and be joyful about even though I'm going through this struggle right now? You see, the journey is about having a joy that cannot be taken away from you. That life's circumstances cannot steal that joy from you. And we see Paul is having one of those moments. I mean, he had great plans. He had great visions. He had great purpose. He had all the things that were what you would think would be lined up perfectly so that God would just bless him with green lights. But here he is. He's stuck at a red light. He's stuck in a place where he just can't seem to get out of it. And, and it's like, what is he going to do in this situation? He is still going to have joy. But even though he's in the situation and he has joy and he's rejoicing, he's still struggling with life and death thoughts. He's still struggling with his mortality. He's still struggling with what was my purpose in living? What would be my you know, purpose in dying? I mean, he's wondering about, like, am, am I going to get justice? Am I going to get to see the judge? Am I going to be able to get out of prison? He's wondering if maybe I'm going to lose my life. There's no guarantees here. And here we pick up the story, and I'm going to start in uh, verse 18. 
Philippians chapter 1, verse 18, it says this. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. This is Paul speaking. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision, that the Spirit of Christ, what has happened to me, will turn out for my deliverance. Paul knows he's going to be delivered, but he doesn't really know how. You'll see in a few verses. Like he knows that somehow Jesus is going to get him through this situation, but he's not really sure how. I mean, either he's going to get him out of prison, or he's going to get him out of this life. But you're going to see, he realizes that somehow he's going to be delivered from this situation. But I want to focus on those first, the first little section, in verse, the end of verse 18. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Don't go past that too quickly. Can you see here how Paul is setting his intention? Can you see here how he is, is like the psalmist, he's speaking to himself here. Like he is, he is, he is he's almost like he's outside of himself and he's given himself some instruction, some coaching. He's saying, guess what? Uh, the situation looks bad. Yes, here I am in prison. I'm in chains for, for what I thought was doing the right thing. But here I am. But he says, I am going to, yes, I will continue to rejoice. Paul is choosing a mindset here. Do you see this? It's a mindset not based on his circumstances because his circumstances, they stink. His circumstances are not good. But he's still saying, I am going to rejoice whether I like it or not. There's sometimes in our lives where our spirits are just, are just broken. I don't know what the situation is, but just things happen to us. And, and all, all those good intentions, all those plans, all those thoughts. I mean, it's like, it's like man, it just the wind is taking out of us, right? Our spirits are broken. There's times that, that we've been going through it for a very long time. And it just doesn't seem lit up. It seems to be relentless. It just keeps coming. It just keeps coming. And, and our souls become weary. Sometimes in those moments is when you got to step outside of yourself and you got to say to yourself, I don't care what's going on here. I'm going to find a reason to rejoice. I'm going to find a reason to have joy. I, soul, you listen to me. Spirit, you get your act together because I'm going to rejoice because I got something to rejoice in. That's bigger than my situation. Look what verse 20 says. Paul continues to, to talk. He says this, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but I will have sufficient courage so that now, as in always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. The first thing I want you to see in this particular verse is this, is that Paul had a purpose that was bigger than himself. Paul had something that was bigger than his life. And when you find something that's bigger than your life, then you've really got something worth living for. When you find something like Paul found, that it's, it's so magnanimous that, like, that whatever happens to you, it doesn't make any difference what happens to you. 
This thing is more important than that. When you find that in life, you have something really worth living for. And Paul has found that. What is it? Look at verse 20. That Christ will be exalted in my body. Whether it's by life or it's by death. Now the word exalted, I like that word, don't you? I mean, the, the word exalted, I mean, it means, it means like to, to be, man, to be lifted up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push it up. I'm going to, Christ would be exalted. I'm trying to be careful. And I want to show my, my six-pack abs this morning. But <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> Those of you who are listening on Spotify, you'll be like, oh, this guy's really in shape. No, don't. don't. <laughs> that Christ would be exalted. That he would be exalted. And I like that word. But the word in the Greek is actually a better word. It's, it's a word that goes megaluno. Can you all practice that one with me? Megaluno. Now, mega, that's probably a familiar word for you, right? Because most of you play mega millions every week. <laughs> what does the mega millions mean? It means lots of millions. And mega actually means that. It means whole bunches and whole bunches and whole bunches and whole bunches. So that's the prefix, megaluna. But what this really, word really means is this, is that, that God would be magnified. That he would be megaluna, that he would be made greater. That somehow Paul is saying this, he says, I want my life to magnify Jesus. I want my life to be like a microscope that when you look through it, all you see is Jesus. I want my life to be like a telescope that when you look through it, all you see is Jesus. I want my life to be a magnifying glass that when you look through it, guess what? Who do you see? Some of y'all paying attention? Come on. Paul's saying, that's what the purpose of my living. That's why I'm alive. So he says, really, let's be honest, whether I live, whether I die, as long as Jesus gets magnified by what I do, I am happy and I've got something to rejoice in. He doesn't know what his situation is going to be, but he knows it's going to be a win-win either way. You see, he had a reason for living that was big enough to die for. Now, I was studying this passage. I came across a quote from one of my favorite uh, pastor teachers, a guy named John Piper. He said this. Listen to this quote. I love it. He says, God is most glorified, magnified. Same word, right? God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. When we can find a way to be satisfied with Jesus, when we can find a way to put our hope in Jesus, when we can find a way to put our, our future in Jesus, our expectations in Jesus, when we are really looking for, I, I am satisfied in Jesus, that's when God is most magnified. Love that quote. But Paul is still continuing to think about his situation. He's still thinking about, am I going to live or am I going to die? What's going to happen? I'm not really sure. He's wrestling with this. So let's look at verse 21. He says, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I go on living in the body, this is going to mean fruitful labor for me. But what should I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between these two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. But it's necessary for you that I remain here in the body. Let's stop there just for a second. There's two things that Paul is, is, is getting at here. First is this. Is, is, is he talking about, am, am I going to die or am I going to live? 
And he says, if I die, I want the way I die to honor Christ. Paul wants to honor Christ in the way he dies. In this moment, (laughs) Paul doesn't know what's going to happen, but we're living a few thousand years later. We know what happens to him. He sits in that prison cell for almost two years. The book of Acts ends. Like Luke doesn't even write anything after that. When, he's, when it ends the book of Acts, Luke has, Paul's still in prison. It's, it's, it's like a, like, it's worse than Empire Strikes Back. Remember that? <laughs> Luke, I'm your father. What? Princess Leah's your sister? What? I mean, it's, it's that bad. It's like, what's next? <laughs> And that's what that's the book of Acts ends. And you're kind of like, what's next with Paul? What's next with Paul? Well, historically, we learned this. That he, he, he probably does make it out of that prison cell. We think that he may have made it to Spain, which was the next place he wanted to go. And he goes and he shares the gospel in Spain. But somehow, maybe coming back from Spain or, or one of his other journeys, he comes back through Rome. And when he comes back through Rome, he's, he's actually arrested again. And then Rome has this emperor that just goes bonkers, a guy named Nero. I mean, he just is like, he just loses his mind and starts doing crazy, crazy things. And in the midst of that, Paul is martyred for his faith. Maybe five years, six years after he wrote this. He didn't know what was going to happen. But he was so excited for one thing, and that is to magnify Jesus. And so he's writing this letter. It's the last letter we have in the New Testament from Paul. It's called 2 Timothy. Paul's writing to Timothy, who's like his mentee. He's the, he's the boy that, that he's been mentoring in the faith and growing him up in the faith. And, and, and he's writing to Timothy, and he writes this to Timothy, knowing that it may be his last letter. And he says this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And only just to me, but to all those who have hoped for his appearing. Boy, what? Wouldn't that be awesome? That whenever our lives end, whenever we get to the end of our journey, whenever we're, we're, whenever we're wrestling with those last moments, weeks, months, of, I don't know how we're all going to go. We don't, you don't know. I don't know. But wouldn't it be awesome if in, in those last few hours, in those last weeks, you could say the same thing that Paul just said? I have fought the good fight. I, I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. What a beautiful image that is, isn't it? And I, I don't know what your dreams, your visions are for life or what you feel like your purpose or calling is, but wouldn't it be cool to just to look back and say, you know what? I've made some mistakes. Sure. I did some things wrong. I have. But I've finished my race. And I've run it well. It's never too young to be thinking about the end, by the way. I remember I was a teenager. I never thought about death. Did you? I mean, I just, I just never thought about it, you know? I mean, I, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, one day when I get really old, like 45, I'll probably die. 
<laughs> Didn't that seem old when you were that age? <laughs> 45, gosh, that's ancient, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Second thing I want to point out is this. When Paul thinks about his death, he doesn't think about it as if it's a loss. Like, he doesn't think about it as if, okay, yeah, okay, well, I'm going to die, and then that's kind of it. He thinks about it as a gain. You know, rarely do we think about what life will be like in the end. Do we? We, we, we get so wrapped up and caught up in life here. We, we think about life here all the time. We think about our plans. We think about what's next. We think about what we want to do. Rarely do we spend time thinking about what is it really going to be like for us to see Jesus? I mean, like to see Jesus physically. Spend time with him. The Bible talks about this wedding banquet, this feast, this time when when, when we're going to be celebrating with Christ. Rarely do we think about how awesome the next phase of our life is going to be. I mean, we get so wrapped up in here, but, but look at Paul's word. To die is gain. It is far better that when I get to be with Christ, then it is for what I'm dealing with right here, right now, in this situation. And I'd like to figure out how can we learn to get to this place where we see death, which many of us see as like the greatest thing we can suffer here, right? Like, what, you don't want to get that terminal message from your doctor, do you? you don't, I mean, you know, it's, we see death as, as the end. How can we learn to see death, the greatest loss we can suffer, as the greatest gain we can receive? We're so trapped by the matrix of this world. So trapped in what's going on here. And we don't realize how great it is on the other side of this life. It's not just a win-win scenario. It's a win, and then I got the mother load jackpot far and beyond my wildest dreams. When is this day here? Really win is to be with Christ. Psalm 63.3 says this, because your love, God, your love is better than life. Jesus talked about where's our treasure. What he's really getting at is where's your hope? What is it that you're hoping for? What is it that you're hoping for in life? Some of us are hoping for, oh, I'm just hoping for that retirement, or I'm just, I'm just hoping for that day where I'm not having to work so hard, or I'm, I'm hoping for that day when I, when I can do this, or I do that, or, you know, and, and our hopes are trapped here. But Jesus says, don't put your, all your treasure here. He says, store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves and steal. Store up for yourself treasures. Replace that word treasures with hope. Store up your hope for heaven where moths don't break in, where vermins don't destroy, where thieves don't steal. For where your hope is, where your treasure is, where your hope is, there your heart will be also. So Paul's wrestling with his death and he's okay with that. He's like, if I, if I, get to die, if I die, it's going to be gain for me. It's far better. But he's also wrestling with his life. 
Well, if I'm still here for a few more years, what, what, what happens in that scenario? And then let's look at what he says. And we'll go back to the same verses. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I go on living in this body, it will mean fruitful labor for me. He says, yeah, what should I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to be depart, to be with Christ, which is far better. But it, it's more necessary that I stay here with you in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will reign, I will continue with all of you for your progress and the joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again and your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account for me. You see, if Paul continues to live, it will mean two things. Fruitful labor for him. Like there's, there is something good I can accomplish if I'm still here. There is still, I still got something left to do. I got something left to give. I got something I need to contribute. And he says the second thing I want to see happen is I want to see you progress I want to see you grow in your faith. So there's an equation here. Dying equals Paul's joy. Living equals the Philippians' joy. And his fruit, this fruit, the, the fruit that he wants to get is this. Their joy. And he says it this way. You get the joy. I get the fruit. And who gets the glory? Jesus does. Christ does. Paul's purpose is to help other people in their journey. So yes, he wants to go and be with Christ. Yes, he wants to start that eternal life. And if it happens, he's okay with that. But he knows that if I get to stay, then I get to make a difference in other people's lives. I get to help them in their journey. See what's happened here? Paul has gone from climbing the mountain. For himself. Paul's not trying to reach that pinnacle for himself. Paul's become what we call in the modern day world a Sherpa. Sherpas are, are this ethnic group that lives in the regions of Nepal and the Himalayan mountains. And uh, they're, they, they've lived in high regions for such a long time. They can breathe low oxygen. They, they know how to climb mountains. They know their ways around. And, and what the Sherpas do in, in, in this day and age, Sherpas help other people climb the mountain. So Paul's gone from being a mountain climber for himself to being a Sherpa that helps other people make the journey. Paul doesn't want to keep living because he's afraid of dying. Paul doesn't want to keep living because there's more in this life that he wants to achieve for himself. Paul wants to keep living so that he can make the lives of other people better. Paul wants to keep living so that he can help other people find joy in their life. Paul wants to point other people to Jesus he wants to keep on living so that he can shine the spotlight on Jesus. As we were talking here, I said in the beginning, I said, what makes life really worth living is having something so big that you would be willing to die for it. And if you have something in your life that is that big, that you would be willing to die for it, that, that makes life here worth living. And some of you, I'm going to be honest with you, I think this is 
a message for you because I was writing this and thinking about it and praying about it this morning. And I thought, I wrote this down. I feel like there's some people here who may have lost motivation for yourself. I don't know who you are. I don't know who this is for, okay? But I feel like there's some people here, or maybe they're just listening on later online, or there's somebody who's going to hear this message. I, I feel like you are just at the point where you're, just, like, you're tired of living for yourself. You've done it. You've been there. There's nothing in it for you. Can I give you an alternative? The one that Paul found. Maybe it's time to find ways to live for other people. Find ways to be that Sherpa that guides other people, that helps other people, that loves other people. Maybe some of the reasons that, of what you're going through is that it's just been so unfulfilling to do it for yourself. It's just been so unfulfilling. You did it. You got there, been there, got the t-shirt. And it's like, maybe it's time you start finding ways to help other people in their journey. Reach out to someone who's down. Encourage someone who's discouraged. Call somebody who needs a phone call. Send somebody a, a text message that's, that's down and out. Go and grab somebody and spend some time with them. Give to someone else. Maybe, maybe you've gotten, you, maybe you're really good at just making money. And, and then, but like, yeah, that's it. I don't know, what, what do I do with this? I don't, I don't know who you are. Maybe, you know, and what about you start making money so you can give it to other people? Give it to someone who needs it. How much do we need in life, right? I, I thought about this the other day. I was, I've been trying to figure out when to use this. <laughs> I guess I'm going to say it now. But I, I went to the grocery store. Just our grocery store down the road. I mean, just like, you know, I, I can't remember if it was Harris Theater Public, something like that, right? And I go in there and I pick up an apple. And I, and, I, and, I, and I look at this out, this looks pretty good. I'm, I'm gonna, I buy it, I walk out, I look at it, there's a sticker on it. This apple was grown in New Zealand. I don't know if you know much about geography. <laughs> That's the whole other side of the planet. There, I, am, I am eating an apple that was grown in New Zealand in North Carolina. How wealthy am I? Think about that. All of those ancient pharaohs, all of those Roman emperors, King Solomon and in all of his glory never ate apple from New Zealand. <laughs> we have so much, and there's others that have so little. I mean, what would it mean just for us to, to, to share? To bless other people with how God's blessed us. Okay, it's no lie, I love rock and roll. One of the best albums of all time. I've talked about songs I like. One of the best complete albums from. Do you, this people, young people, do you know what an album is? Okay, I'm just, just checking in. <laughs> one of the best albums of all time is Joshua Tree by U2. I mean, I'm talking about like start to finish. Play it at the beginning and just let it run all the way to the end. It's one of the, but their follow-up album was also pretty good. It was an album called Rattle and Hum. And they came out with a movie that was sort of a documentary of Rattle and Hum. And B.B. And, uh, King is in it. I mean, it's really, it's worth watching. Go back and find it on Netflix. But this movie poster has always stood out to me. 
I don't know why, I mean, I even, as I was writing this and thinking about it, I, I had this image of this movie poster, and I just wanted to share this with you. In, in the back of this picture, you see uh, Bono, who is like the lead guy in the band. Now, he's like the, the, the one who's just like always out front. He's always, you know, singing. He's, 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 he's like such a character, a charismatic person. But Bono in this picture is in the background with a cowboy hat on. And he's holding a spotlight. Do you, do you see him hidden back there? And he's shining the spotlight on another guy in the band named Edge. And Edge is like the guitar player for the band. I love this imagery. Because you have the front guy shining the spotlight on the guy who doesn't always get the attention. And it just to me, it is the perfect illustration of what Paul's life was like. Yes, this morning we've been talking a lot about Paul. I gotta be honest with you, if he was here and sitting in the front row, he probably wouldn't have liked this message. Why? Because it put so much spotlight on him. His whole life was not about putting the spotlight on himself. He didn't care about himself. He didn't care about what happened to him. He didn't care about what people thought about him. He's that guy in the backdrop with the spotlight and he says, don't look at me. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. He wants to magnify what Jesus did for him. How Jesus rescued him. How Jesus brought him from the depths and pulled him out of the miry clay. And, and put him on a solid rock. That's who Paul wants you to see this morning. And I wonder where does the spotlight of your life shine? What, what are you doing with your spotlight? We've got just a few years to be here. Mine are getting less. We've just got a moment of time to shine our spotlight. And the question I have for each one of us today is, is, is where does your spotlight shine? Have you found something so big that you just say, my life is about pointing to that? If you demand the spotlight for yourself, if you say, put the light on me, put the light on me, shine on me, when the crowd is gone, and the roadies pull everything out, it's going to feel very lonely. If you shine your spotlight on others, you're going to have some real meaning. You're going to have some real purpose. Give other people the spotlights. It's going to be a lasting thing. Each of us is our eternal beings. Each of us is, deserves a spotlight. If you shine your light on someone else, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have real meaning. But if you shine your light on Christ, it will last forever. Where's your spotlight this morning? Let's pray. Through Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning and we acknowledge that there's so much we could do with our lives. There's, we're living, we're breathing, we're here, we've got energy We've got influence. We have wealth. Richer than pharaohs of old. Lord, I just pray that this morning that maybe there would be some folks here who would say, you know what? I want to live for something more than myself. I want to live for something that has real impact and real implications, not just for this life, but for eternity. Lord, I pray that we might be moved like Paul to just be blown away by the love of Jesus in such a way that it would change the trajectory of our thoughts. It would give us a reason to rejoice in the midst of suffering and, and bad circumstances. That it would give us a joy that can never be taken away. But it would also 
give us fruitful labor, something significant to do, a place to leave our mark in this life. Lord, I pray that you would lead us in that. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.